And um, I want to talk about, you know, we talked about displacing the orphan heart. Now listen, listen, listen to me. Um, we have a heart of sonship, but it's that orphan heart that tries to come in and make us feel like we don't. Okay? So we all battle that. It's all there. You know, whether you're, this isn't about whether you're born again or not. When you receive Jesus Christ, you're born again. Your spirit becomes one with him in spirit. We have, we have the inheritance that Jesus has given us, that he's died to give us. So we become born again. So this isn't about if you've got an orphan heart, you're not born again. There are issues in my life that, that I realized that I was dealing with issues that I realized that it was an orphan heart or an orphan spirit. You know, the opposite of sonship is being an orphan. And God doesn't want us to be an orphan. When we come into the kingdom of God, we become sons of God. Say, I'm a son of God. And let me give you a couple uh, scripture references for son of God. I just wrote them on the inside cover of, um, of my Bible just to make sure that I knew that I would continue to look at it. It was Romans chapter 8, John 1, 12. I'm, excuse me, Romans 8, 14 and Romans 8, 19. And also Galatians 3, 26, John 1, 12. <laughs> Those are scriptures that says that we are the sons of God. That son, that that mean that son meaning, you know, I'm a son that serves. I I'm not just a servant. I'm a son that serves. The parable of the uh, of the of of the young man that went off, the prodigal son. He went off. When the father saw him coming down the road, he didn't say, "There's my servant." He said, "There's my son." And he'd gone and he had done some things that probably weren't pleasing but it's how many of you know we've all done things that weren't pleasing to the Lord and we're still sons no matter how I mess up today am I still a son tonight no matter how I mess up tomorrow am I still a son tomorrow absolutely absolutely I am so those are some things and I want us to be really begin to look at this so I'm not really sure where we are I'm not really sure if you want to advance the slide there I'm not really sure where I am on this. So <laughs> well let's take a look at the at the slide. Uh, I want to just kind of go through a review with you. He's uh, he's doing some teaching and training up there. So uh, I think we're, what we're going to do is just go through the the original ones. So you've got them on your paper. So let's just take a look at them. What if you're interested, go on the internet. You can go on the website, you can download each message, but the first thing that we looked at, looked at was the image of God. And you've got the information there to be orphans and sons. The second thing was dependency. It was dependency. So the third thing was theology. And, and you can see the difference between the orphans and the sons. Then we went into security and we talked about how the sons are at peace and at rest in daddy's presence and his embrace. And we talked about needs for approval and how the, the, the son is not influenced by turmoil and fear. But the son, through the middle of that fear, can continue to be steadfast. And, and we don't have to have the approval of man. We have to have the approval of God. That's, that's all that, that matters. The other thing that we talked about were motives for servants. Motives for servants. And orphans serve expecting something in return. But sons, we, we serve out of a love-giving-orientated process we just we just do it because god loves us dad loves us and he cares for us and that's why we do it the seventh thing we talked about was the motive behind christian disciplines 
the eighth was the motive for purity. I want to be able to, as a son, I want to continue to strive after purity and holiness because I love dad. That's, that's just plain and simple because I love dad. Then we had talked a little bit about self-image and then the source of comfort were the last two things. And this one we're going to get into is about peer of relationships. Say peer of relationships. So let's take a look at and let's take a look at what we're doing with within orphans and you can just follow along with me. But orphans and understand understand I don't want you to identify okay you're an orphan you're an orphan <laughs> you're an orphan. You know, you're going to be able to see things in all of us. So don't look at it on your neighbor, your friend, your brother, sister. Don't look at them and say, "Oh, they're an orphan here and they're an orphan there." You'll see that it's going to come very plain. And, but you want to look and say, where am I? Where, where about issues in me? Let's, let's look at us first, all right? Let's, let's take a look at us first. So orphans, they often relate to their peers through competition, through rivalry, through jealousy, towards others' success and position. You see that? Sometimes they believe that they have to fight and they scramble for every advantage and desire. Anybody ever felt that way? Yeah, it's like, you know, I got I to gotta fight and I got to get it. And, you know, they're getting theirs. I'm going to get mine. And when I get mine and nobody's going to get mine and nobody can have it. And that's really, that's really an, an orphan mentality. Okay? The other thing that orphans is they, they do, they can't genuinely rejoice over the success or advancement of others. They can't genuinely rejoice over the success and advancements of others. They fear that if they're not on top, then they will not be valued and respected. How many of you know we already won the battle? Yeah, yeah we have. We have. And, and, and through the blood of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, we have the victory. Say victory. I mean, I think about that and I'm thinking, man, this is great because we have the victory. You know, I, the, the truth is, I died to, to tonight. I don't want to die tonight. I, I want to live long, prosperous life. I want to live over 100 years and 120. Genesis says 120 years, but, but uh, I want to live long and I want to live prosperous and I want to live you know, healthy and I want everything of those things. But to die is to gain. So I don't fear death. I'm not going to go jump out of a plane without a parachute but I don't, I don't fear death. I mean, I'm, that just doesn't bother me because to be absent from the body is to be because I'm a son. Tell your neighbor you're a son. So as we begin to look at this, we, we see the orphans. Man, they, you know, they, they don't like the advancement of others, you know, and, and I've felt that. I've seen people that either weren't living for God or if they were living for God, they, they're like, they get advanced, they get a promotion, this thing happens to them, this happens to them. And there are times within me, and I'm just going to talk about me, there are times within me that I've thought, huh, how come, how come they did that and I didn't? I didn't know what it was called at that time. But I knew it really wasn't right. <laughs> I knew it really wasn't right. So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to, to Romans chapter 12 real quick and and I'm gonna, just going to give you some, some scriptures. We don't have the scriptures up there, Dennis, Sean. We don't have the scriptures. So um, I just am going to let the Holy Spirit just lead and guide us and direct us. Um, Romans chapter 12. In verse 15, it says, To rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. How many of you know we got the weeping part down? 
Isn't that something when somebody comes to you and says, this bad thing has happened in my life, it's like, oh, oh Wayne, I'm really sorry, man. I, I'll pray for you, Dad. Oh, boy, Dad. I'm sorry that things are not going your way. That's, uh, you, you're going to be all right. But then when something happens and, you know, they rejoice, we're kind of like, huh. They just got their house paid off. You know what I mean? We're like, huh. Well, that's nice for them, but what about me? That's an, is, that, is that a son heart or is that an orphan heart? Yeah, that's an orphan heart or that's an orphan spirit. But Romans, it tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice. So here's about the sons. The sons, on the other hand, their peer relationships are all about humility, unity, honor, and they value others and they sincerely rejoice in the blessings and the success. Sincerely rejoice in the blessings and the success. I know some people that have recently paid their home off, and I wanted to do <laughs> the Snoopy dance. <laughs> I get Susan up there, and she'll play the play the Snoopy dance for me. And I wanted to do the Snoopy dance, you know. And I mean, I, and some of you, you guys are, you guys know who Snoopy is, right? Okay, we I haven't gotten too old here that that they don't know who Snoopy is. But he would dance, you know what I mean? And and I want to do the Snoopy dance. So as I, and that, you know what I do? That displaces that orphan heart when you want to dance and rejoice for somebody else, all right? So it's really exciting when I begin to hear some things about other people. So Romans 12, 15 says that. Sons are secure in their own identity. They are secure in their own position, and therefore they don't need to fear the success or advancement of others. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want you to succeed. See, we want you to succeed. Do you really want to succeed? Overcome those things in your life. You know, there might be things you're struggling with, and then you see somebody else, and and I I can look around the room, and I see people that that may struggle with certain things in their life, and then you look around the room, and you say, this person dealt with that, and it was just, they were delivered. And there's even, even in that, saying, you know, wait a minute, God, you delivered them, but now I'm walking through this, you know. God, this was a supernatural thing you did for Wayne, but now I'm walking through this. Why don't you do this supernatural thing for me? And we can begin to have that heart of an orphan and then saying, praise God, whatever it is, Wayne's dealing with something. Amen? There's nobody in this place tonight that's not dealing with something. Okay? So, you know, just take the veil off and just say, okay, there's some stuff that I might be dealing with, but we're going to deal with it and teach you how to deal with it as being a son. And those things are going to drop off because we want to get rid of of that orphan heart, all right? So as we look at this peer relationships, we see how sons act. We see how sons are. Now, I'm not asking you to put a false facade, fake front that says, you know, everything's fine and it's wonderful and all of this other stuff. And, and, the, and that's fine if you do it um, because you may be trying, that, that's maybe what it will take to displace that orphan heart. And then you go the other way around. You can come in and woe was me all the time. You know what I mean? you kind of like Eeyore, my Eeyore theology. You know Eeyore, you know? You know, it's, you know, it's like, hey, Eeyore, the sun's shining. Oh, bother. It's a bad day. To be honest with you, today at lunch, I was sitting with a guy and his attitude was really bad. And I basically just said, look, when dinner was over, I took his plate and said, let me throw this stuff away. And I threw that stuff away and I walked away and I was like, (laughs) 
And I thought, man, I mean, it was doom and gloom. And I was like, man, just by the cloud was moving in on me. And I was like, no. Uh, you know, I got enough clouds that move in on me. Amen. Dark clouds is what we're talking about that move in on me. It was like, you know, I don't want that. That, was, that thing was trying to jump on me. So I said, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a son and I'm going to really operate in a sonship. You know, I blessed him and said, God bless you, see you later. But I couldn't hang around with that. Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Bible says, it says, um, I think it's in Corinthians 15th chapter, it says, uh, bad company corrupts good morals. You know, and, and you can stay there for a while, but don't stay there too long. Hello? So it's like, I got to get away from that. I got to step into the thing. So let's take a look at, uh, how do we handle other faults? That brings this next one up. How do we handle other faults? Let's take a look at orphans and how they would handle other faults. Um, you have to know that there's going to be conflicts. There's, if you are alive and breathing, you will have conflicts because human beings have conflicts. How many of you know that God had conflicts with human beings and human beings had conflicts with God, let alone human beings have conflicts with each other? So it's unavoidable. You're going to have conflicts. One of the things that we really have been trying to grow and learn and we teach even through through parenting and marriage and things of that nature, is conflict resolution. See, it's not about the conflict that you have. Because how many of you know conflicts can sometimes bring out something that needs to be brought out, but it's how you resolve the conflict. We can all change and grow through difficult times in our life. (laughs) Let me say that again. Because that's not a real good statement that you want to put on the bulletin board or, you know, or put out in lights or put it on the front sign and say, let's change with conflicts in our life, you know. But the truth is, is when there is conflicts in our life, we have to bring in conflict resolution. How can we resolve these things and how can we come to a place where we end up with a healthy relationship? And that's what it's all about. So as we look at orphans, we're going to look at handling others' faults. And you're going to be able to see this. So let's just listen to me or just read along. Orphans being self-focused generally resort to accusations and exposure of other people's faults while denying or trying to hide their own. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because we all probably could put it up and say, yeah, that's right. You know, you, you know sometimes you could say, well, well, I'll get into that in just a few minutes when we, when we take a look at it. The other thing is, in an effort to make themselves look good, they have the tendency to try to make others look bad. Um, recently, um, recently, these are just some things how God is just really stirring in me. You know, we can joke around, right? Well, sometimes if we joke around, you're wondering if they're serious or not. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. It's like they might joke around and say something. And I was joking around with somebody, and, 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 and it was fun, and we laughed, and we went on. And later, the Spirit of God began to deal with me and said, you hurt their feelings. And I like to joke. I, you know, I like to have a good time, mess around, and anyways, I just like to laugh and have fun. And um, I contacted that person later and said, listen, I... First of all, I want to apologize if I hurt your feelings. Now, they said, no, you, did, you didn't hurt my feelings. And, and maybe I didn't, and that's okay, because there are sometimes people joke with you, and you, you know them. I mean, Wayne and I can joke in a certain way that I might not be able to with Vernon, because I know Wayne a little bit better than I know Vernon. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, 
there might be something that I did that Wayne remembers that I did that was really funny and he could remind me of that and it takes us back and we can laugh about that where he might not do that with Vernon or I might not be able to do that with Vernon or somebody else. So as we look at the, diff- the orphans, sometimes we might say something and, and I don't want the motive to be if I say something about them that I'm trying to elevate myself and put them down. Because that's really what happens. If we really want to be truthful and we really want to, to get rid of this orphan heart, there's times where I might say something to them about somebody or, or them themselves and I'm putting them down and in actuality what I really am wanting to do, I'm not really necessarily wanting to put them down, I'm just wanting to elevate myself. So that's what orphans do. You know, when they, when they have those things, they, they make, make fun of somebody else so they can elevate themselves. And that's a real, real difficult thing. So another thing that orphans have a tendency to do, they seek to build themselves up by tearing others down, and it destroys relationships with issues of control, criticalness. Oh, these are orphans. Criticalness. And I've been there. And I came from a family that my mother would, was very critical. She was very critical. I mean, there were, well, she was just very critical. Let me just leave it at that. Um, Possessiveness, the lack of respect and honor. How many of you feel that we probably have the lack of respect and honor at times, don't we? And we're going to shift that. We want to change that. Because I think if the body of Christ doesn't respect each other, and us in here as a family, we don't respect and honor each other like we should respect and honor each other. How are those that aren't part of the family of God going to respect and honor anybody if they don't see us do it? So what I'm saying is that we should, we should operate in that, okay? So that's, that's an orphan heart. Say orphan heart. Now, what about a son? And I'm glad you asked me. How would, how would a son handle the uh, other's faults? Because... One of the things that I know from you guys is that familiarity breeds contempt. When, I, when we were first set in as pastors, you guys didn't know us. So there was a, sometimes a certain honor and there was a certain respect. But as you know me now and you see that I have faults, there's sometimes after 12 years it's like, you know, He ain't all that. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm not all that. So probably you had a false assumption to start with, you know, because Jesus was the only perfect one and he's only going to be the only perfect one. Amen. So a lot of times you can have expectations. You know, we've heard teachers say, you know, you can expect this much from these people, but you expect this much from the pastor. And then when he comes in here, then he missed out on here where you got somebody here that you only expect this much and they come in there and they're okay because you only missed out on this much expectation where the pastor, you missed out on this much expectation. Does that make sense? So as, as we begin to look at these things and realize that, that, that we need to be able to to, to, to see we have faults. And how do you handle those faults? Because I, I, I have viewed, I have had people view me or view others or I've heard people or seen people view others and all they could do was say, they should have done this and they should have done that and they could have done this and they should have done that and they should have done... And I'm like, have you ever quarterbacked? Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, if he'd have just flew out and thrown out in the flat, I mean, he could have done that. I mean, that guy was open and didn't he see that? I'm like, 
okay, time out. I'd like to be able to say, okay, time out. Put that 6'8 guy that's 325 pounds and there's, you know, five of them and just let the lineman come in and, okay, now you are quarterbacking and see what you can see. You know what I mean? You know, so sometimes people can be so critical of others, and I'm using that as an example, that we really begin to be orphans in that area of criticalness and how should we be as a son? How should we really begin to look at things and take a look at faults? So let's take a look at this. Sons, handling others' faults, sons are relationship-oriented. In other words, in, in love. We handle things in love. And we, 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 they don't cover. They don't try to... We cover, but we don't try to hide. Are, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, my, I cover my wife. Y'all don't see some things that I see. <laughs> And in the same way, she covers me. And that's what husbands and wives do. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I got some weird-looking thumbs. Y'all don't really, you know, she covers my thumbs, you know, I mean, whatever it might be. But we cover one another, okay? We cover one another, that, and that's what it's about. But it's not hiding those things. But anyways, it says we, we, they, they cover others' faults, and they seek to restore those individuals in the spirit of what? Love and gentleness. How can we begin to restore people in the spirit of love and gentleness? And this is something that I want to get into. The other thing is covering a fault is different from covering up a fault. Covering a fault is different from covering up a fault. Okay? There's, there's been plenty of times that, that people might try to cover up something. Okay? It's not talking about just hiding it, but trying to cover it up as if it never happened. Covering protects a person from humiliating and destructive exposure until the conflict or the fault can be, what, resolved. There's something that's there. We've got we've to help each other, cover one another, stand in there with one another. Do you know what I mean? Until we can resolve those conflicts, those issues, and get back on the road in which God wants us to be. So that's kind of how, uh, oh, I got one more, I think. Is there one more at the bottom of that? That it, covering up a fault is an effort to, to deceive, which is a sign of warfare thinking. Covering up, okay? Who? Not covering so we can work through the issues, bring restoration, bring healing, bring those things, okay? Um, 1 Peter 4.8. Let, let me just sneak right in there. And I just made a couple notes on some scriptures as I was studying this out. First Peter 4, 8. Anybody there say I'm there? Because I am not. First Peter 3, 4, 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Okay? Multitudes of sins. Love covers those things. How many of you know the love that Jesus had for us that when he went to the cross and died, he shed his blood and it covers what? A multitude of sins. It does. It sure does. It covers them. So the father doesn't see that because the love that he had for us when he sent his son, shed his blood, he covered those sins. That's, that's that love. In Proverbs 10.12, just write that down. It, Proverbs 10.12 also says, love covers all transgressions. See, I, 
I'm not perfect, my wife covers me, kind of makes me perfect. Come on, somebody. Do you see what I'm getting at? So she doesn't look at my faults. She sees them, but she doesn't look at them. <coughs> Do you understand what I mean when I say that statement? She sees them, but she covers me for them. If it's because she's right in the middle of it. And isn't that the way God is with us? But we don't receive that love from him. And we're going to begin to shift that and change that because we're learning how, you know, to be sons. Okay. So we know that sons operate in love. They cover and not hide others faults as they seek to restore those individuals in the spirit of love and gentleness. Covering a fault is different from covering up a fault. Covering protects a person from humiliating and destructive exposure until the conflict or fault can be resolved. And wouldn't it be, isn't it great to be able to resolve those conflicts and then be able to move forward? Isn't that awesome? You know what that is? All that is is filling in the pothole and then getting on, getting on with it. Okay? And a lot of times we want to stay back there in the pothole. And once, when there's restoration and forgiveness and restoration and those things, we move on. We've got to move on. And that's what we need to do even as a family. And it's hard sometimes in a natural family, you know, because you could still be upset with a brother or sister for 20, 30, 40 years. You know, and we're going we're gonna to restore and heal and let God do what he needs to do and move forward. Tell your neighbor, say, move forward. So we're going to continue to move forward. So... How, does off, uh, how do orphans view authority? Let's take a look at this. This is a big thing in our society, especially in the Western culture versus the Eastern culture. Okay? We, we have got some issues that we need to deal with in our Western culture. Okay? So how do orphans view authority? Let's take a look at this. Because of an abuse and mistreatment, they may have uh, suffered at the hands of authority figures in their lives Orphans will often see authority as a source of pain and therefore they're suspicious of any authority except their own. You agree with that? Yeah, me too. Me too. And I've been there where I've not liked the authority and thought I could do better than the authority and I could do a better job than them. And and, uh, not only did the undercover book help me helped me deal with authority in my life, but there were some other issues that I, I'm not going to share with you. Because experience is the best teacher. And I went through some stuff that was very humbling. And I didn't quit. And that's the big thing. Okay? I, didn't, I didn't quit. So orphans, you know, because of that mistreatment, people can be mistreated by authority. And because of that, they can still have those wounds. They can still have those hurts, those pains. And they really, they don't trust anybody but themselves, right? And sometimes they don't even trust themselves. Let's take a look at another one. Orphans, they're distrustful at the motives of those that are in authority, whether at home, whether at work, whether at church, or anywhere else. And you may have dealt with this. You may be dealing with this. You may have dealt with it. You may be dealing with this. And you begin to look at that and you think, okay, am I dealing with it at work? Am I dealing with it at church? I had a boss that um, was not a believer when I met him. He was an Army drill instructor from Paris Island. I mean, he was a um, Marine. 
And I learned how to go in and salute him. (laughs) And people are like, what are you doing? Well, I tried not doing it and it didn't work. And then I began to honor him for who he was. He was my boss, first of all. And I realized he could hire me and he could fire me. (laughs) But what I began is the Lord began to start teaching me. And through him, I went through some things in my life where I was actually saluting him. And, you know, I wasn't doing it to be playful or whatever because that's how he was. If you guys know, you guys that have been in the military, you know what I'm talking about, a a drill instructor. That was he was. And he was still kind of having flashbacks, I think, when, you know, during work, you know, because it was like, get up there and do this and do it it now. (laughs) You know, and how many of you want to be under that? But I learned some things under that. Amen. So even if we're dealing with some of those issues in our life, we, uh, we need to, even if it's work, even if it's at church, I mean, God establishes authority. And there's nobody in authority that God doesn't know that's in authority. Hello, God, did you not, did you not, God, did you not know that we have this person that's a president or we have this person that's a governor or this person now is a senator? God, did you, you forget about that guy? I mean, what, what about that guy? How'd he get there? You know, did he slip by you, God? Did he sneak around? And get in, get in position. You know, God knows those that are, that are in authority. Okay? So orphans also, um, this is due to at least a part of their lack of hard attitude of humility and submission. We, we'll get to the other side of sons where, you know, it's, it's lack of humility and it's lack of submission. When, I, when, when God used that drill instructor to help work some things out of me, um, I was, it was lack of humility. It was lack of me submitting to him. You know, I didn't want to su- submit to him. He wasn't nice. How many of you know, even if they're nice or not, you need to submit to him? You know, unless they're telling you to do something illegal, you know, um, then, then that crosses the line, okay? Another thing that, uh, that orphans are, you'll see in the, how they view authority, is um, they resent and fear suggestions that they should submit to anyone by getting underneath them and supporting them. Yeah, I, don't, I need some help. I need some support. Orphans also, they, they, are, they have a regard for being subject to someone else's mission as nothing more than allowing themselves, we've heard it all the time, to be used by that person. Well, they're just using you. They're just using you. They're just using you. They're just using, they're just using you. They're taking advantage of you. They're doing all these other things of you. They're just using you. That's, that, it is really an orphan's heart to be able to view authority. How many of you, well, I've been there, done that. We've all, I think, had issues that we've dealt with that. And God wants to work that out of us. Do you know that? Let's take a look at the other side because there's the other side of the coin, which is sons. Say, I'm a son. So if we view, how do sons view authority? Let's, let's take a look at this. Sons, they, they look at authority differently. Sons, when you look at authority, they're respectful. They're honoring legitimate authority, you know. They want to honor those that are in that place. They're seeing authority figures as ministers of God. If you saw every person in your life in authority as a minister of God, you would displace that orphan heart. If you say... That's a minister of God. And he's there or she's there in my life. And I respect and I honor that authority. See, what happens, the world calls it brown nosing. But you watch people, they get promoted. And you call it what you want to. world calls it brown nosing. But if you respect and honor that authority, you'll get a promotion. It will come. 
And, and an orphan heart is, again, remember, we don't want to rejoice with those who rejoice. So Wayne gets a promotion, and I'm like, oh, he's just a brown noser. He's in the office all the time just talking to pastor, just talking to pastor. He's brown nosing, he's brown nosing, he's brown nosing. See what I mean? But if he's a man of God, son of God, and he's respecting and honoring and doing what needs to be done, he's going to get promoted. Amen? So when God looks at that, he looks at the intent of the heart. So is it an orphan heart or a son heart? Okay? You know, can an orphan heart get brown nosed and get promoted? Probably, yeah. But we want the heart of a son. Amen? And we want to do it with respect and honor. Because here's what I want you to understand. When you respect and honor those that are in authority over you and you get promoted, you don't have to worry about when that leader comes in demoting you because God puts you there and not somebody else. Hello? And when you know that God has placed you there, then you don't have to worry about if that person leaves and goes on to another promotion, another job, whatever it might be, and then another, another boss comes in and because God placed you there. God opened the door for you. You step through that, and God will continue to keep you there. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, so, you know, sons, they're seeing authority figures as ministers of God for the good in their lives. Another way of illustrating this contrast is to say that sons are, what's that word? Teachable. 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 There's some areas in my life that I have... Um, I have a little more wisdom and a little less wisdom in some other areas. And I never get to a place in my life where there's an area where I just can't be taught. Hello? No matter what. And I know people that stay respectful and honoring and they can learn no matter who it is they're learning from. We can always learn something. Okay? So sons remain teachable. They view authority and they say... I'm teachable. I want to want to learn. Can you teach me a new way? I I, uh, I went through that as an orphan. There were some things in my life that I went through an orphan, and I was not teachable. I thought there were two ways to do it: the way the company wanted to do it, my way, and my way was the best way. And I had a guy getting getting my face and put his finger in my face, and he said, "You remind me of Ford. You always got a better idea." And I thought that's pretty good. And he was like, "No." There's one way to do it, and that's the right way, and it's the name of the company. It's their way. And he said, as soon as you can understand and learn how to do it their way, then you'll get promoted. And if you don't, you won't. It took me a long, hard road that I went through, and then I realized he was right. He was right because, number one, I didn't respect the authority. I thought I had a better way to do it, although the company that I was with had been doing it for a hundred and some odd years, and they were very successful. I was, you know, 20 years old and thought I knew a little bit more than them, and I don't understand how that works. Do you? <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's the truth. I'm thinking, you know, I look back on it now, and I'm like, how stupid? How stupid could I be? Okay? So that's, uh, that's how uh, sons view authority. Okay? The last one I want to give you, you, gosh, it's time to go, isn't it? Man, let me give you this last one. This is, the, this is the best one. The view of admonition. The word admonition literally means calling attention to. It means like a mild rebuke. Okay, not a, not a hard, strong rebuke, but it means a warning. An admonition, as I was meditating on this, 
can be your son is running out into the road. You say, get back away from that road. How many of you would be okay with that? Right. They pick up a kitchen knife and they're going to begin to, you know, open up something and they're pulling it forward or something. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, you know, that's going to slip off that can and it's going to pop you in the shoulder or something. Not a good thing. Or they're cutting a, they got a great big, you know, meat cleaver and they got their finger right there and they're kind of slicing tomatoes and you're like, um, that's still an admonition. It's a warning. Um, that's not good. But a lot of us don't receive it that way. When we receive it from others or men and women of God or whatever it might be, we don't receive it like we would, we would actually give it. Admonition literally means to warn or to notify of a fault. It literally means to reprove with mildness. Admonition literally means to, to counsel against the wrong practices. Um, you can do that. may not be good for you. You know what I mean? That might not be good for you at all. Admonition just literally means a gentle reproof. Say gentle reproof. So orphans, they have difficulty receiving admonition, even godly admonition, because they have difficulty acknowledging when they're wrong. One thing I, I have got to learn in my vocabulary is that as words that we don't want to say, it was like, I was wrong. I was wrong. We can learn some things. Orphans, in their own mind, they must be right. So when admonition comes, warning comes, a gentle correction, in it, when it comes, they receive it as a personal offense or rejection. Let me say that again. They receive it as a personal offense or rejection. She warned me about backing out of the garage with the garage door down. Okay? So I get offended. I get rejected. What do you think? I'm not smart enough to put up the door? Right? I mean, with those things. But it was a gentle reproof. And I didn't receive it like I should have received it because I was obviously operating with an orphan heart. To justify their conclusions, orphans, they focus on others' faults, blame other people, try to vindicate and justify themselves. They become negatory, negative, accusatory. They close their spirits to the one trying to speak admonition into their life. The very person that loves you the most, parents run into this with their children. They want to ad- admonish them, gently you know, give them warning, head them in the right directions, and the kids close up. You know what I'm talking about? They close up and they don't want to receive that. And they're like, you know, they're just trying to control me, trying to control my life. So let's take a look at sons, how sons receive admonition. Sons receive admonition as a blessing and they need, that they need in their lives because it exposes faults, weaknesses that they may not be aware of. Anybody ever driven a car and seen a blind spot? Ever a blind spot? Are you still a good driver? Yeah, but there's blind spots in the car. You just can't see them. That person was there or whatever wasn't there, and you couldn't see them, okay? Sons, they seek to put these weaknesses to death. There we are. We seek to put those weaknesses to death before they become relationship-threatening problems. Let's get those things done. Let's get those things done. If I got a blind spot, show me I got a blind spot. Let me hear about the blind spot. Let me work on the blind spot. Are you with me? Let me try to work on that because the relationship that we have is important. Sons, even though admonition may first cause them, their fur to bristle, 
They recognize it as valuable correction and the opportunity for growth. Opportunity for growth. Without growth, there is no maturity. And without maturity, there is no inheritance. Without growth, there is no maturity. And without maturity, there is no inheritance. Who wants to grow? I do. I want to continue to grow. I want to see those things in those areas. You know, others can help us see those. And they don't do it with an orphan heart. They do it out of love. They do it out of relationship. Are you with me? They see those things. They help those things. And we're not speaking of salvation, but we're talking about the fullness of inheritance. So Ephesians 6.4 is what you need to read. And one of the things that I want you to know tonight is that Jesus is always a builder. Builder, 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 builder. Always builds, always builds, always builds. He, his, his father was Joseph. Joseph was a carpenter. He was a builder. See what I mean? Jesus was a builder. He wants to continue to build us up. And as I was looking at that, I was thinking of 1 Peter 2.5. This is what it says. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a spiritual house being built. We're building it brick by brick, block by block, mortar by mortar, mixing it, putting it together. It's a spiritual house of the Lord. We are living stones. We're not stones that are dead, frozen, cold, hard. We're living stones. I'm a stone. She's a stone. She's a stone. He's a stone. She's a stone. And as God builds us together, as he puts us together, he's putting the stones together and we're being built up. He's he's not building you up to tear you down. Hello? He's building you up because we're living stones. That is the temple of God in the earth today. We're living stones. Say, I'm a living stone. You're alive, you're active, kind of like the Word of God. You know what I mean? We're, we're those living stones, and we're being built up. So our goal is to be able to build you up, strengthen you, give you courage, give you wisdom, view things from a sun. And I don't know about you, but i gotta, I got to change my glasses because they get a little dirty sometimes, and I don't see things right. And I may see things through an orphan heart, and God wants you to see it through a a heart of a son, okay? Everybody born again in here tonight? All right. Would the sons of God just stand up and let's just pray as we go home.